Hey friends, welcome to the His Beloved of Texas podcast. I'm Megan. And I'm Kendra, and we're two moms that live across the street from each other. And between us, we have 10 kids. We live life together, have fun, and we just want to share that with you guys. We are so glad you're here. On this podcast each week, we think everyone needs a little bit of hope. And we want to tell stories of hope, of how God has changed people's lives. He's shown up in good times and in hard times, and and He can show up for you too. All right, we hope you enjoy. Hey friends, welcome back to the His Beloved of Texas podcast. I'm Megan, and today we have one of our very best friends. And not only is she one of our best friends, she works for a beautiful pro-life organization in Central Texas, and we wanted to talk about what it means to be pro-life. In the state of Texas, a lot has happened lately. A new law was passed called the Heartbeat Bill, and it made abortion illegal after a heartbeat can be detected, which is usually around six weeks. This is a beautiful, beautiful win for those of us who are fighting for life, but it also means that it's time for us to step up and to love women even more than we did before and to be more loving, more open, more generous. And so that's what we thought today. We wanted to have Katrina on the on the show and talk about what it means to stand on the sidewalk and pray. And she's part of an organization called the Central Texas Coalition for Life, who puts on the 40 Days for Life prayer campaigns twice a year in Central Texas. Now, 40 Days for Life is worldwide. So if what she says today is stirring your hearts, you don't have to live in Central Texas to go and pray. And guess what? It started yesterday. Find yourself a 40 Days for Life near you and go sign up. It's worth it, I promise. This ended up being one of my favorite episodes we've ever recorded. I don't know if it was something about having three best friends in a room together talking about something that breaks our hearts, but we went deep, you guys. And um, Kendra had a moment where God spoke to her right in the middle of the podcast and invited her on a healing journey. And she shared it with us, which was so vulnerable and honest of her to kind of have that aha moment right as she was speaking into the microphone. So I hope that this episode blesses you. And if it stirs you in a way that maybe brings up some old wounds, please know that there is healing. There is healing for you. And if you need help finding that healing, reach out to us. We would love to know. And if you sign up to volunteer for 40 days, let us know, especially if you're in Austin. We would love to know when you are praying. Um, And if you want someone to pray with you, we're here. All right. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Katrina Rodriguez. Hey guys, welcome back. Hello everybody. So today we have the fourth member of the founding of His Beloved that we get to introduce you to and our very best friend, Katrina Rodriguez, on the podcast. Hi, Hi Katrina. Hi. It's been so, a long time. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so glad you're here. So we um, wanted to just hear from Katrina because she is our bestie, but also because she works for the Central Texas Coalition for Life. And um, since we've known Katrina, she's fallen in love with the pro-life movement and it's become her driving passion. And we felt like since there's a lot of talk in the news right now about um, abortion laws and what it means to be pro-life, that we would let her share with us her love for this movement. And Kendra and I have a love for it too. Yeah. (laughs) So we could all share it together. But first, before we get there, we want to hear from Katrina. So wait, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, like your family and everything like that? Oh, yeah. So my name, again, is Katrina Rodriguez, and I am 
uh, married, uh, what, 18, almost 19 years to my best friend and husband, Angelo. And we have four beautiful daughters, uh, Gabby, 18, Lily, who's 13, and identical twin, uh, we call them twin sisters, who are Chloe and Zoe, and they're 11. So we have a house full of, uh, of girlies. So it's very exciting at all times. <laughs> they're a lot of fun. And yes. they're best friends with all of our yes, girls. Yes, and our girls are all best friends. And uh, we're, we're like more, we're family more than friends. Yeah. I feel like because we're family. We love yeah, you guys. For sure. Yeah. Yes. It's a lot of fun. Okay, you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So this is fun. Into the gauntlet A lot go. of times when we <laughs> invite people on our show, we know them, but we don't like know no. them, know them. <laughs> like we know her. So I'm yeah. interested Scared. to see what you're going to yes. ask her. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. Okay. So you travel a lot, right? Yes. And you yes. have a, what was your previous job as an airline? Do they call them stewardesses? That was the, old, that was the glamorous them. title. We were flight attendants. Flight attendants. <laughs> I was trying to think about it earlier and I was like, I know they don't call them stewardesses anymore. And yeah, just, but <laughs> old school folks would always call us a stu- like a stewardess. Yeah. Oh, a stewardess? stewardess. Well, didn't you say that when you were a flight attendant that you had to like wear your hair up and wear a skirt and heels and stuff? Oh, like yeah. it wasn't like Southwest where they wear like shorts and a Oh no, it was fancy. Polo. It was yeah. very fancy. And, and when we were in training, if we didn't have our hair up perfectly, our makeup on perfectly, and know all our commands in every part of every plane, mm-hmm. we were kicked out. So it wasn't oh just gosh. like knowing crazy? the planes yes. and all the safety rules. It was also like the appearance. It, yeah. You had to have like your, in, it's called your in-flight look. <laughs> you know, your, per, your uh-huh. perfect French twist and your makeup on and, you know, wow. look the part. How many years were you flight? I had in-flight shoes and shoes that I took off and put on while I was working, like shoes that I wore to the plane uh-huh. and shoes that I put on our comfort shoes while we were working the flight. Really? Yeah. Wow. It was pretty awesome. It was pretty wow. crazy. That's really fun. So um, how many year, years were you a flight Seven attendant? Seven and a half years. Seven and a half years. Great. So United and I flew the, internationally. Nice. What's the best place that you ever traveled? So the best place, the coolest place, I would say, would be Hong Kong. Oh. And when we started flying to Hong Kong, I got it. I was a newbie flight attendant, and I had been purser trained. I passed purser qualification, and I was one of, like, a few. Mm-hmm. So there were a lot of senior people that were dropping like flies. So it was all, like, psych 101. It was, like, more of a leadership training, okay. less of what, what you know about working here training. Uh-huh. So you had to pass all this stuff this whole time and then you got these ridiculously big wings so I was kind of almost embarrassed because like seeing the <laughs> people that have been flying forever didn't get you know some of them didn't pass and get them uh-huh. and so because of that qualification I got um I got this international trip to Hong Kong which was brand new at the time out of New York and it was the longest flight ever on a plane wow it was 15 and a half hours one way <gasps> so we flew eight hours over Siberia Russian airspace and the whole time I was like I'd never been afraid oh, of flying because I flew my whole life. Yeah. But I was like, okay, dear Lord. <laughs> that is a long flight. So that was a pretty cool city. Uh-huh. It's pretty neat over there. It's like a whole different world. And really? I'm, I'm thankful. I've, I've been there three times. And one of the times I was able to bring my mom with me. Oh, She neat. came along with me because we had like 33-hour layovers there. Uh-huh. So we got to do quite a bit in that time. So mm-hmm. it was pretty neat. Oh, that's fun. So we toured like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And also, sorry, I'm going to ask some questions. No. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> so you were also a flight attendant for United during 9-11. Yes, I was. I was actually New York based during 9-11 and that was pretty, pretty impactful on my life. Um, uh, a game changer, actually. I was, I was scheduled to fly back to New York on 9-11 from, from San, San Francisco. Francisco. We were on a layover and we found out about it. Um, actually, my husband called me and uh, we were dating at the time. He called me and he said, turn on the TV, turn on the TV. And I was like, what? I was sound asleep. So it was very much unfolding right there in mm-hmm. front of all of us and we were all just 
living it and um it was amazing it was just the the uh the brotherhood of all of us being together there and yeah. and kind of going through it and and just everything the symbolism of not a single flight going over the golden gate bridge and mm-hmm. even homeless people on the streets with their radios listening to the news yeah. and it was very surreal and i was actually on the very first flight that took off after 9-11, which mm-hmm. took off on 9-13 because they had a ground hold on all the planes. Mm-hmm. So we were the very first flight that basically repositioned crew members back to their to their domiciles, where they were based, mm-hmm. their home cities. And so um, when we went through the airport, San Francisco is a huge international airport. It was a ghost town. It was like a scene out of a sci-fi, wow. like an Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah. movie. They made us send in our office mail back to our, our base, and I was based in New York all of any sharp objects that we had. So like my tweezers or my wine key mm-hmm. or a letter opener, anything you had in your in your bags, you had to send them back to yourself. And then we were sitting there just the, you know, the small group of us, like holding hands in the waiting area. We were the only ones in the whole airport. Wow. And so, and we, we cried and prayed and held hands and we you know, got on the plane and took off. And then it was like, we went from San Francisco to Denver, picked up more people. Denver to Chicago picked up more people, oh, wow. and then when we got to Chicago, and you were we, all picking up other flight attendants. There yes. were no other passengers. Yeah. All crew members. And then yeah. by the time we got to Chicago, and each airport got gradually busier, uh-huh. and by the time we got to Chicago, it was like a zoo, really? and people stranded that mm-hmm. were trying to. And mm-hmm. and so I I commuted to Orlando. I didn't live in New York at the time, but a lot of my crew members did. They couldn't get home. So when we got to Chicago, there were no flights to New York. Mm. So they had to figure out like rental cars and ways to get back to their mm-hmm. family and loved ones. Mm-hmm. So it was just, it was very surreal. Yeah. I did take a little bit of a leave. I had a lot of friends who took PTSD time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did take a little bit of a leave. And it was just, it was just very, very, very um, much a game changer in my life. Yeah. Just for life, honestly. Everybody I'd ever known called me, looked for me, you know, mm-hmm. that yeah. knew that I worked for the airlines. Yeah. It was very beautiful. The outreach in, in the community and the in the country. Yeah. The pull together was amazing. Yeah. yeah. It was all that we stand. You yeah. Know? I've been watching a lot of documentaries on it. And I didn't realize I think there was a United flight that was coming out of I don't know where it was coming out of, but it was going to San Francisco. And I thought, you were in San Francisco coming back on we were. like how yeah. I mean, it's just, just crazy how well, yeah. like you would have taken that flight the day before, probably. You know what I mean? Like exactly. And those crew members shocking. that were on the flights, most of the flights out of New York, JFK, were were um, transcons, transcontinentals. They would oh. fly from New York to San Fran or New York to LA, and then go and somewhere. So else. they had those planes that went down. They were fully fueled like ours was. Yeah. To do a transcon, which yeah. is why they use them, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, it was just very. It was one of those moments, and not all of us get those moments in life, but it was almost like. Um, a rebirth for me yeah. because that could have been me yeah. yeah it was very much could have been any of us right it was very it very much hit home with me because that yeah. those were my people that worked the same job I worked and we were just a day apart yeah. on different flights and that was it and those yeah. were people that I that I flew with and there's very much a sisterhood and a brotherhood in the sky I'm sure we're all very much together and and so um, everything immediately changed overnight like our entire yeah. job everything we did yeah so mm-hmm. for, for the whole country but we felt it very very much impactful um, working in the airlines. I still save some of my um, communications and stuff that I got at the oh, time. Oh, really? Because every time we came to work, something changed or we had to do something yeah. differently or we couldn't, no more silverware, no more, you know. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Plastic everything. And everything. Right, you know, everything everything yeah. changed. Yeah. All these little things that you take for granted yeah. overnight changed. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. So, kind of going on the same track with 
flight attendant. I'm, I'm sure you've experienced some really interesting, funny, crazy experiences. So flying 101, <laughs> can you tell people what not to do maybe? <laughs> when you're flying? Biggest pet peeves of flight attendants. <laughs> Uh, I would say um, the biggest pet peeve would be the people that just can't sit down <laughs> at the most, and they want to stand, or they're just wiggly, or they're kind of in everybody's business, and uh-huh. you know, they're just making, and so, but now I will say that I, having traveled a lot too, as a non-flight attendant, I, I understand the fact that it's hard to sit for long periods of time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think the biggest thing is just... Um, just people that are considerate, right? Uh-huh. I mean, just realize that, you know, aren't overly demanding and, and nice to their neighbors as well as us and not, over, you know, just not constantly yeah. ringing the call button and asking for this and that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like they're the only one on the plane, right? <laughs> so that would yeah. be the biggest thing. Um, and have you met anyone interesting on your flight? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've met all the interesting people on my all flights. Of them. <laughs> all of the inter- I've had so many celebrities on my I was very, I had a really fun run. Um, I've had uh, President Bush, which was really cool because I was an, when he was uh, president. Wait, what? President I thought he Bush, flew on Air President Force Bush Senior. But oh, wow! I guess when this is President not? Bush Senior when he's not president. Oh. So, but the funniest thing about this flight is I was a new flyer, like a new hire flight attendant, and I joined a crew. So United was so big that we would be extra stews with crews on yeah. flights, which is confusing. But so uh, they were already on the <laughs> plane. The lingo here. I know. Yeah, the same thing. they have like Secret Service on a plane. Um, they bore them first. Okay. Okay. So, but the crew was already on and I was joining them. And so they got on, like secret service was on with them. And I was like the door greeter. I was like the one that uh-huh. said, hi, welcome in, you know, where are you sitting uh-huh. And so I didn't even realize that they were already on the plane. And so somebody told me and I was like, what? <laughs> and so then they made me, because I was new and, you know, you know, they thought they could get me. They made me go up to him and ask for his autograph. <laughs> and you know, and, Megan and you're not afraid about to do me. Megan yeah. knows that I'm not afraid of meeting anybody. Yeah, she thoroughly yeah. embarrasses me if there's someone famous around. Yes. She's yes. like, come, come on, Megan, let's, let's go, go talk to them. And I'm like, no, they're just people. They're just no, people. And so he was a kindness. He gave. Um, actually, the pilot asked me. He goes, "Will you see if they'll sign my flight loft, which is like his flight?" ID that I had all his trips for that day uh-huh. and he signed it and then he signed it he goes would you like your sign too I'm like yeah and then oh. he gave us all office of the president pins cool. that's cute so that was me we had him I had Jimmy Fallon I sat with him oh, that's how fun. I had him I on a flight Fallon. from New York to um, LA and he was um he came in his hair was all sticking up and he was just, <laughs> okay, just so and he was in the first class seat next to him was empty so I sat next to him and I said so what is it night what what is the, what's it like being on Saturday Night Live and he goes What's it like doing your job? Oh, <laughs> it's like the nicest man. And he uh-huh. was just funny. He's just like, we just go get bagels and coffee, and then we talk about our skits for the night. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And That's so cute. I've had um, Catherine Zeta-Jones. I've had, uh, oh, funny, Monica Lewinsky. Really? <laughs> okay, now I'm, now I'm listening to a podcast about her right now. So I feel like, really, so like I know her. I've had Monica Lewinsky on a flight. And um, I've had, uh, oh, my gosh, um, trying to think of who else. Poor Monica Lewinsky, y'all. So many. Her poor life got ruined. Oh, no. Feel so bad. So anyway. many. Um, uh, Julia Roberts. Oh yeah, I thought you yeah. said Oh, fun. Yeah, and you know what? And typically, everybody's really friendly and nice. I mean, they're just people, right? They're right. just mm-hmm. humans, and we're serving them, so they better be right. Yeah. No, but they're always very. Now, I did have one flight attendant say that Julia Roberts once made her cry because oh. she was a huge super fan and. And oh, she no. thought she was being a little rude. I'm like, you know, uh-huh. who knows what she was going through? Yeah. I don't know. But I, I, I typically had, um, I had a bunch of attorneys that worked on the Clinton 
oh, wow. case, the kind of star, like during, you know, all that stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's some pretty exciting. One of them left a um, shorthand notebook in the CPAC pocket. <gasps> Did you but read none it? Of us could read shorthand. The, the oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> you tried. Like, oh my gosh, we have this. Yeah. So that was that's yeah, hysterical. Pretty funny. But yeah, pretty funny. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, I um, have known you for a while, and you have such, in my opinion, just a very uh, brave personality, and I admire it so much. And I want to know, kind of transitioning into the pro-life talk, um, where do you get your gumption from mm-hmm. to just not be afraid and you know do what you do and stand at the sidewalk and approach people and talk to them in love and um, not back down? Thank you. That's very kind, Kendra. That means a lot. Um, I think I, I will I will say definitely I get it from my mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think it's a charism. Um, yes. Yeah, my mom is amazing. Um, so I was brought up with this mom that had the same lack of fear mm-hmm. and um, very much an advocate for social injustice. Mm-hmm. And so our childhood, I don't know how far back you want me to go, but... Um, basically, um, we had a very personal, um, we were very, very much impacted by drunk driving mm-hmm. and it changed the course of our, the trajectory of our entire lives, basically. And so my mom, because of that, um, she became a very big advocate mm-hmm. for, uh, for MAD, Mothers Against Drunk Driving, mm-hmm. and spoke out, um, was keynote speaker at many events, was very much involved, helped pass laws in Texas. Wow. So cool? she helped pass the yeah. open container law here in Texas. Really? I didn't so, know that. Yes. Wow. Because at one point you could drive around with a can of beer wide open, you know, just yeah. wide open, wide open, and just chug it <laughs> as wow. you're driving down the road. So she helped pass that law because drunk driving was like one of the number one killers of, you know, yeah. innocent people in this yeah. country. So um, watching her, um, I always had the greatest respect and admiration for her. Mm. And she taught us from a young age that, you know, you know, God gives us these gifts and talents, right? And we're not yeah. we're not supposed to be. We need to use them. We're not we're not here to be silent. We're here to speak out for mm-hmm. for those that need our voices, mm-hmm. right? We're given our voice for a reason. And I think that I just I've always been. I moved a few times, uh, you know, out of state even as a child. In fact, I moved my sophomore year from Texas to Florida, and that was a huge change for me obviously and it's where I thought my life was coming to an end but it ended up being amazing and I think that I just learned that you know I'm very you know it made me who I am mm-hmm. like I'm more outgoing mm-hmm. and I, I made a point to go out and meet friends and mm-hmm. and build community and community is everything yeah. and friendship so with that I use those kind of charisms in this in this work that I do the pro-life work yeah because I, I you know want to reach people with love and with kindness, and I know that we're all searching, right? Mm-hmm. We're all searching for uh, friendships and relationships, and I think that's part. That's one of the most important things you can do in this in this work mm-hmm. is build relationships and build trust. So, so tell us, how did you get involved in Coalition for Life? Forty Days for Life, Coalition for Life. It's kind of confusing, but Coalition for Life is the Austin, um, the Central Texas, yeah, the Central Texas organization yes. that helps to run Forty Days for Life. So they're we can sometimes we use them interchangeably, but yeah. So our ministry is year round. We advocate on the sidewalk. We we pray on the sidewalk three sixty five. Mm-hmm. So um, I know that forty days for life just started this new three sixty five, but we've been doing that. Yeah. So we do that year round, but then we also incorporate the the spring and fall campaigns as well. 
for 40 Days for Life. For the 40 Days for Life, exactly. Mm -hmm. So how I got involved was um, the girl right across from me. (laughs) (laughs) This beautiful friend of mine, Megan Copeland, um, I think you called or I think you called in, texted me and said, Mm -hmm. hey, this... I'm signing up for to pray during this 40 Days for Life campaign. Do you want to join me? And I'm like, what? What is that? And I, I had heard of it. I just didn't really know what it was. Yeah. And I think because I'd, I'd been brought up cradle, I'm cradle Catholic, mm-hmm. and I was brought up pro-life, but I, and I've always prayed, and I've always thought abortion was wrong, right? But mm-hmm. I had never really done anything actively yeah. right for that. Like, I've never, stand, I've never stood on the sidewalk. And... I have to admit, when you invited me to join you, I was. It's very intimidating, it right? It's so intimidating. It's so intimidating. It can be if you. But yeah. I think yeah. that that's the important thing to portray to everybody. It's yeah. not a natural thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing natural about it, but it's beautiful, yeah. right? It's, it's a beautiful it. testimony. And so um, I, I was like, okay. <laughs> and we had we had care for our kiddos. So um, I joined you. I think you and I just figured out it was like 2017. Yeah. Like the fall vigil that year, and. Um, I don't know. I just, I just, it was so awesome being there with you and praying the rosaries on the sidewalk. And I saw the difference that we were making being there. Mm-hmm. And I saw the, the hearts that we were touching. And I saw the, you know, I saw the, the impact of the lives that we potentially were, were changing and the, mm-hmm. and the, you know, the minds we were changing yeah. and the seeds we were planting. And so I just kind of fell in love with it. And then once I started doing it with you that season, I just continued. We just continued, right? Well, every, and didn't you start praying a memorari? Yes. No, how many days was it? Like 90-day yeah. memorari novena yes. or something? I started praying the novena for life. I started getting more involved than I thought. I just, I think once I started doing the prayer on the sidewalk, I just thought, you know what? I just want to continue doing more. Mm-hmm. What can I do? Can I pray? Even when I'm not on the sidewalk, can I pray from home? Can I you yeah. know, get other people to join me? Can I, you know? Yeah. yeah. But that so seemed just, to be like a changing point in it, your heart. Like was. that was when it was like God took that novena and used it to push you, like propel you forward. Yeah, it yeah. was. It was. I got that little prayer card. It was when we went to the um, Blessed is She Oh event. yeah, I think it was around that time when we mm-hmm. met Laura. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and so that did it. It definitely changed my heart, and I still go back to that. I pray that daily now. Mm-hmm. Do and, you? And every time I think about it, because they they do it like kind of on the hour on relevant radio, mm-hmm. and so I yeah. try to just. I feel like if we're saving lives, if we're making huge differences with prayer, let's just keep it up. Yeah, keep it going. So let's yeah. talk about prayer on the sidewalk because um, that's a term that we're really familiar with, but I don't know that everybody else is, and. Um, like, so what does it mean to pray on the sidewalk? So to pray on the sidewalk is just, is you going physically to the sidewalk outside of an abortion community or abortion clinic. Not <laughs> um, and uh, just by your presence of physically being there, it's almost doing mission work at home in your own backyard. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. a lot of people say, well, I'll just pray from home, which is wonderful and yeah. fantastic. But you being physically on the sidewalk um has been proven to have up to 75% turnaways for abortion appointments. So wow. just you being there on the sidewalk. Just seeing someone standing there. Yeah. You wow. save lives just by being there. And unless you're a surgeon or a, some sort of specialist or doctor, I can think of another type of volunteer work that you can do mm-hmm. that's as impactful as that. Yeah. And, and the other thing that we've learned, that I've learned in doing so, and, and it's, it's proven, is that you also you bring awareness Mm-hmm. to the community of social injustice. Yeah. We've had people that have pulled, I've had a women, I've had a, one of my favorites was this lady drive, driving by and she'd been driving by for months and seeing us regularly out there. And finally this one day decided to pull in mm-hmm. and she got out of her car and she asked what we, were, what we were praying for, what we were doing. And I told her, 
and she lived right around there and had no idea that there was an abortion clinic in her neighborhood. Wow. wow. And she started crying and got out her rosary and asked to pray with us. Oh. And she became one of our most dedicated volunteers, even even helping with the materials and stuff during the vid, during the four days. Yeah. So things wow. like that, it's huge. And you also you you upset the enemy. You know, we get some yeah. fun little feedback from the cars driving by and stuff. But you know what? Here's the thing. You're the hands and feet of Jesus. And if you think of what Jesus did and what he had to go through with his crucifixion, it's the least we can do, right? It's the yeah. least we can do for the person. So, and yeah. there's kind of two components to um, praying on the sidewalk. So you can either be a prayer volunteer who their whole role is to pray. And so, and it's beautiful. Like sometimes I don't know how to explain this in words that make sense. Because being on the sidewalk, you're clearly in the face of a very grave evil, right? Like there is, especially at the old clinic where we were so close to the building, it felt very much on the front lines of a spiritual battle. Yes. Mm -hmm. But the place that we stand feels very much like holy ground to me. And I always felt like I could hear the Lord stronger, feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. Like it was almost as if sometimes I could physically see the battle that was taking place. Um, So having that prayer support there is huge. Like that in and of itself is a beautiful thing. But then there's also the second side of it, which is a sidewalk counseling or sidewalk advocacy, right? Sorry, I said it wrong. (laughs) So the sidewalk advocacy actually is, um, it's, it's when you pray and you decide that you, like for me, I just wanted to do more, and I felt like I was called to do more. Yeah, you and you brought me into this because I hadn't. It took me years. And and <laughs> Meg and I, yes, we yeah. are grouped in, and uh, we attended the sidewalk advocate training, the advocacy training with Heather Gardner, who's the executive director of the Central Texas Coalition for Life. She's amazing, and um, we went and basically what you go there is she just educates you on all like conversations that you can have right and materials that you can give these women who need Mm -hmm, help mm -hmm. and it's not all um it's it's abortion right abortion-minded women it's giving them life-affirming options to go to other uh life-affirming pregnancy resource centers Mm -hmm. that will basically provide these services these actual prenatal services for free yeah and and kind of set them up with everything they could need or or use to get through successfully Mm -hmm. their pregnancy and beyond and then also it's it's resources to help women who have been hurt by the yeah. abortion lie. Mm-hmm. Every woman, whether they admit it or not, who has had suffered an abortion has been hurt. Yeah. It's the most unnatural thing you can do mm-hmm. as a mother, as a woman. And so we have resources that we give women who who are hurting mm-hmm. and, and who maybe never got help. Yeah. So we have, not even come up to us, we have people that yeah. come up to us that have never... I had an abortion 20 years ago sort of thing. Yeah. And they, they pull in and they'll say, Amy, they'll cry about it. And they'll say, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've never gotten over it. We have many of, in fact, many of our advocates and many of our volunteers are post-abortive women mm-hmm. who wow. want to change the, tra- tra- by de- being there, change the trajectory of other women who are in similar situations. Yeah. yeah. And tell them not, and advise them based on their own personal experience. Yeah. To make other choices. Yeah. So, um... It's really neat. So the ones that pray, the, the volunteers, they t- they pray, right? And then mm-hmm. and then those we ask those who are trained advocates mm-hmm. to be the ones that kind of stand closer to the cars and have the materials ready and yeah. and a lot and oftentimes if there's um, a group of us at the sidewalk and say I'm the advocate and the other ones are, are the prayer volunteers, they pray fervently mm-hmm. while we're advocating to these women. Yeah. And you mm-hmm. can feel that. You can. And you can mm-hmm. feel that. You can feel his presence. Um, you can feel Jesus right there on the sidewalk with yeah. us. I'll never and... forget when I first started um, 
when I first went to 40 Days for Life. So Eli was a baby, little bitty. He was six weeks old. So I guess that that would be nine years ago. And I was terrified. I had no idea what I was doing. And I was by myself. Because I went to church with Heather Gardner and Abby Johnson. And they were always talking about these things. And I was like, okay, I'll come pray. But I had no idea what I was doing. And I got there and I was so scared. And I walked up and I met Nicola. And Nicola was just the most beautiful picture of the gospel. She's amazing. I had never seen someone love people, strangers, Yes. As deeply as Nicola did. Mm-hmm. And she was so cute. Because we had to stand on the back of the fence, right? You can't She's cross. one of my favorites. Yeah. Can't cross the <laughs> fence because, um, you know, private property and all that jazz. Yeah. And I'm just standing back there praying. I'm not talking to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> just looking at my feet praying. <laughs> and uh, But Nicola would say, hi, my name's Nicola, and I'm a Christian. Can I talk to you? And she just had this love, and she'd say, like, I just... I would love to. I would love to help you. I have some some options for you, yeah. and I just saw her love like pour over that fence. Yeah, yeah. And then we got to pray with Roger, and Roger was the same Probably. way. It was like just this. I, I mean, the only way I could envision it is that like these people were just standing here waiting to give love, yeah. and just waiting for people to walk across the street and be received. Yes. And I don't think that's the way the pro life movement is always viewed. No. <laughs> but I. But I. Like that's what the sidewalk is. Like yes. it's this place where the sidewalk advocates have these access to, you know, all sorts of different programs, the JP2 Life Center and all these, there's pregnancy resource centers oh, in every town, yes. you know, and we're just waiting to give mm-hmm. some love to someone who is in a painful, scary situation. Amen. That's so true. And, and yes, uh, Nicola's story is amazing because um, how she's one of my dearest, closest friends we've become really close she's amazing um she uh saw heather outside praying oh yeah didn't she just drive she by she drove up saw heather yeah. said i know what you're doing can i join you wow and that was and that was it that ago. was it yeah, yeah. and That's now amazing. she works with abby johnson's ministry yeah. and Heather Nunn. Yeah. she's amazing yeah. yeah so um we're so blessed and that's the thing you meet the most incredible souls in this yeah and this work that we're doing mm-hmm. you know they they said um we're co-workers in the most difficult occupation in the world. <laughs> We're all co-workers. Yeah. They said that at the, uh, the event I went to this weekend. So I thought that was yeah. r- really well said. And so I want to tell a story. Um, so one time, this was before you started praying. It was during the time when um, the law had passed that had shut down a lot of abortion clinics, mm-hmm. and which was a beautiful thing, but unfortunately it didn't last very long. And so we were praying at the south location of Planned Parenthood. And have you ever been down there, Kendra? 79 went. Mm, I don't know. It's on a yeah, highway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not that I highway. I have been down there. I've okay. been by it. So yeah, it's on 290. About. It's yeah. on the 290. highway of 290. Yes. And it's, there are lots of cars that fly by there. Yeah. And it's loud. And yeah. you're very much kind of in a place that doesn't feel super safe, right? Right. Um, versus where I was used to praying, where it was kind mm-hmm. of tucked off back in this little quiet area. And I'd gotten used to that. And we never ask people to pray by themselves because that's, you know, we just want there to always be an extra person there, prayer support, right? Mm -hmm. And so it was this one time that I was down there and I was all by myself. And my prayer partner had called and told me she couldn't come. And I was, I almost backed out. But, you know, you're not really supposed to leave, like, abandon the sidewalk. and, And someone has to be there, right? And so I go and I'm standing there and I felt just this, like, fear kind of mm. taking over me. Of, I didn't want to be out here by myself, and what am I supposed to do? This doesn't feel safe, and these cars flying by me. And I um, almost left. <laughs> I was, like, about to leave. I was like, you know what? This isn't worth it. I'm just, I'm going to go. 
And instead, I turned on some worship music and I started praying. And I you know, had my little earbuds in and I'm praying. And I had this vision of what I assume the inside of that building looks like. And it was a, um, a table. And, and it was an empty table, thank goodness. But it was a table. And standing next to the table was Jesus. And he said to me, if you leave, there will be no one here to pray with me for these women. Beautiful. Mm. Wow. Oh. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I will stay. Yeah. And and he was like, I, I need you. I need yeah. I need these prayers on the sidewalk. Yes. And um and then it was funny because I happened to for some reason flip open Facebook. I was looking up something and and then this friend like poured this beautiful scripture into me. And then mm. all of a sudden, this woman, as if an angel, yes. starts walking up the sidewalk and yes. she says. Hey, I came to pray with you. I got lost, but I'm here now. Can oh, we pray together? Oh, bless her. Oh. Yes. And it just felt like this, like, <gasps> yeah. okay, like this is this is what I'm called to do right now. Yeah. And um, and so I just encourage anybody who feels called to mm-hmm. pray on the sidewalk, even if you're scared. Like, if mm-hmm. you don't want to go alone, come with me. I'll take you. Yes, yeah, and, and I'll take you too. And Katrina will take you. Like, so yeah. And so I'm over the Duval location. So in, here in Central North Texas Austin. in Austin, yeah, we have. Um, Planned Parenthood on Ben White that we pray at. That's our south location. And then we have Duval, Whole Women's Health, which is on Duval Road, near not too far from the domain. And uh, We can go have lunch. Yes, (laughs) we can go have lunch after. Go shopping. And uh, they, so my job is to kind of oversee the Duval location. And so um, we have have day captains during the 40-day campaign that each kind of own a day, like Megan's own a day in the past. I own a day. On Saturday, if you want to come pray with me on Saturday <laughs> this time, but it starts tomorrow. So, um, yeah, anyone who wants to sign up locally, please do so. We still have plenty of red hours, which means one or less volunteers that we need to turn to green. So, yeah, if you feel a calling in your heart and the Holy Spirit's calling you to get out there, come out there and join us. We'd um, love to have you. And it's centraltexascoalition.com. Yeah, uh, and, so, and we do pray year round, so you can mm-hmm. come outside of the 40 days as well. Yeah. And I feel like right now with what's going on with the um, abortion laws passing in Texas and strengthening the heartbeat law, law, I feel like now more than ever, we need people on the sidewalk Mm -hmm. because women are going to walk into that clinic looking for an abortion Mm -hmm. and they're going to be turned away, hopefully, (laughs) if they're following the laws and they're not going to know where to go. And they need someone standing on the sidewalk to say, hey, I got you. Like, come to me. Let me show you. Let me show you what it feels like to be loved and take you to a place that's going to care for you. Um, um, I don't know. I'm just feeling called to share kind of my experience with pro-life movement. And in College Station, whenever that facility was open in Bryan. Where this all started. Where it all started, yeah, with the Carnies. Abby Johnson, um, Parenthood. I prayed on the sidewalk there. I prayed on the sidewalk there in, Col- in Bryan. And um, I was a teacher and didn't have any kids yet, and I did, hearing you mention like the the evil that you felt, it's mm-hmm. I had a moment there when it was just it was palpable, like it was the Lord allowed me to just feel the darkness. Yes. Um, but then, like something happened with the, like the sun came out of the clouds, and it was just like the Lord washed it with peace. Mm-hmm, like beautiful. allowed me to feel the darkness within, yes. washed it with peace. Like he's he's peace. in this. He's got he's in this fight, right? Um, and then back here in Texas, um, with the 
what was it? It, it was the... SB2. SB2. Yeah, I thought it was SB2. So, yeah, orange and blue. Yeah, the orange and blue fight. <laughs> the orange and blue, blue fight at the Capitol. Um, there were a couple of evenings whenever my husband and I went down there um, just to be a presence of advocacy. And there, too, um, we it was one of the days we were walking, and we walked up to the Capitol, and, um, and there were orange people, <laughs> pro-abortion pro people, who that was their color, I guess, that they decided to, to wear. Um, but we knew, we got word that they were on their way. And so we were rallying in front of the steps, and it was the most, I think I told you about this, Megan. Um, what I heard was not of this world. Mm-hmm. It was almost like the shrilling shrieks of demon demons. Yeah, it is. Like it, it was unbelievable. I see yes. It and um I heard that and I just began praying my heart out and again peace just washed over. Mm. Um and so with those two stories, I also feel called to share this that um we suffered a miscarriage at 15 weeks, and um, seeing my child's hands and feet, fingers, toes, all the things, um, he was perfectly formed, and um, going back to the sidewalk was something that I didn't want to do. Um, because I knew what they were doing to babies that size. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just sitting here reflecting on it, on how, like, I've allowed the enemy to, in his sly way, use that, convince me that um, I wouldn't be able to handle it if I go to the sidewalk. Mm. Um, wow, the Lord is really piecing all this together for that's me beautiful, right now. Kendra. Oh, I just saw a butterfly with my feet. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, and so, feeling the palpable evil and hearing, now piecing it together, how the Lord has, um, he, he just opened me up to the fact that there's evil is where we need to be. Like, we need to be in yes. that fight. We need to be feet on the ground, boots on the ground. Yes. Um, and, yeah. Okay. That's well, Eve, that's beautiful. Oh, Kendra, thank you lot. so much for sharing. <laughs> that's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that, that there's so much truth to that. And um, I don't know if all of you listening have seen Unplanned, Abby Johnson's conversion. Well, there's a book. It's based on her book, Unplanned. But they came up out with the movie a couple of years mm-hmm. ago. And it's amazing. And uh, she was a Planned Parenthood director who um, who had a conversion, mm-hmm. who saw an ultrasound and saw a baby and realized mm-hmm. what she was doing. And her eyes were opened, mm-hmm. right? And now she's one of our largest advocates. Um, but I think that there is just, I think that it's what what I've, I've felt very strongly as well as you, both of you, is you feel that spiritual world, that spiritual mm-hmm. battle. It is mm-hmm. a spiritual battle. Mm-hmm. And so, and we are, we have to be the hands and feet of Jesus, mm-hmm. right? We have to be the voice for these babies. Mm-hmm. These unborn that also deserve, they were created yeah. 
And for the women, too. And for the women, right? And also, it's not empowering them to have them live with the pain and regret. And and really Mm -hmm. for the generations, right? The grandparents that don't know about it. And so, and also, too, for the abortion workers. Yeah. So we've had, uh, um, I'm just looking at these stats here. We've had, like, uh, with our local organization, we've had 287 babies and moms saved. Wow. 15 abortion workers have left. Praise God. The wow. industry. Praise the Lord. And every one of them, I was just at an event for um, the quitters for um, this weekend, Abby mm-hmm. Johnson's ministry, and then there were none. And there were, there's were. there been over like 600 women 600. and men that have left the industry. Yeah. I remember when, ministry. when Abby amazing. started that ministry, she thought, you know, we'll maybe serve five. Yeah. Five five people will leave the clinic. Yeah. 600. 50 were on and the stage. And it's only been, what, five or six years? That's it. Wow. And 50 of them were on the stage, and they started with nothing. Wow. That's 100 a year. Yes. Yeah. And, and, they, and their incredible. testimonies are powerful. And, and they're it, financially supporting these yes, people, too. Yes, they are. Wow. They're it's, giving them, I think it's at least three months yes. of um, a paycheck and getting finding them new jobs, new jobs everything. Yes. That's a lot. Wow. It's a lot. And so um, just hearing their stories... We know. I mean, it just reaffirms the work we're doing. Yeah. Because it's a cult. It's an evil cult. That mm-hmm. world is dark, mm-hmm. and yeah. we're bringing it to light. And so, us being on the sidewalk is very, yeah. is very. Powerful. Well, and one thing I want to like be cautious to say is, um, well, two things actually. If you have suffered an abortion, yes, there is still a place for you in this church. We love yes. you dearly. We want you here. Healing is available. Like we will put all these resources in our show notes. Um, that please reach out for healing, reach out for love and support. Mm-hmm. And then two, oh yeah, we Katrina's got all her flyers over here. Yeah. <laughs> she can't see them. But we will put all of us in, yes, all in the show notes. Her. But two, I, I've noticed more recently than in the past how many friends I have on Facebook that are pro-choice. <laughs> yes. They're suddenly all telling everybody how pro-choice they are. And, um, and the what law I, has a way of doing that. The law has brought it out in a lot the of people. The heartbeat law. Um, but I think that most people, aside from like the abortion industry itself, which is very much a for-profit money center, mm-hmm. I think most people who are pro-choice come at it from a place of compassion and love. They're just very misguided. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think we mm-hmm. have to stand in the middle and not look at those people as evil, no. but remember yeah. that we're fighting a battle of principalities and powers and not people. That yes. this is something Amen. that like... And has so been twisted in people's minds to mm-hmm. say that it is compassionate in some way to lose that child because it benefits the mom. And I just think that we can very lovingly stand in the gap and say, yeah. we love you more than that. Well, and I agree with yeah. you 100%. And I also think that it's another dividing force, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And so the conversations that I've had, I think that the biggest thing, honestly, is to be have open dialogue. Yeah, and to listen. Right? And, to, and so I had a woman a, a few weeks ago, I was praying with Christine Arroyo, mm-hmm. one of our... Uh, awesome volunteers and she and I were on the sidewalk and this lady kind of whipped into the parking lot and and you can you can always tell when they're coming yeah you know what I mean they're just the way they park the way they walk over and I'm always like come Holy Spirit you know just praying for the right words yeah and she came and and it's always seemingly confrontational but you have to take it away from that you have yeah. to bring it down and so she said can I ask you a question? She and it was like drizzling that day, so I think she was extra um, curious because mm-hmm. we were out there in this in the rain. With yeah. the, you know what I mean. What yeah. are you doing? Um, I've been driving. But she said she had been driving by for for over a year, and had seen us periodically out and and wanted to know what we were doing. And she goes, she goes, are you pro life? And and I said, and I asked her. I, I turned it around. I said, what do, what do you mean by that? Mm-hmm. And so when we started talking. And she was kind of telling me about her viewpoints, which were 
in her mind pro-choice. Mm-hmm. As the conversation continued, and I and I said, well, what about the baby's choice? Mm-hmm. And she started seeing it in a different light. Mm-hmm. We had this beautiful conversation, and you don't always get blessed with those, right? Because yeah. yeah. sometimes the it can be very, you know, like there's no room for conversation. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, and she was very, uh, uh, very appreciative of the open conversation as well and the yeah. dialogue. And I really do think, Christine and I felt very strongly that seeds were planted that day. Yeah. And she wow. was open to the things that we were telling her to go wow. watch Unplanned and mm-hmm. some resources we shared with her. And and so I, it's just a reminder that, you know, this is kind of a, it's bringing social awareness, mm-hmm. right? It's not, it's it's more than just being there. Yeah. It's praying for kind of the whole community. Hard yeah. to And all the parts, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. That's yeah. So. Well, um. We have lots of resources. I think that right now, more than ever, it is a time to um, find a way to serve people in your life. Even if you aren't sure about the abortion um, topic, even if you're like still on the fence and I don't really know if I believe in abor- in you know banning abortion at all ages, and I don't really know about you know like incest and rape. If you're if you find yourself somewhere in the middle. You have to at least say that like moms who are in crisis pregnancies deserve to be loved, right? Like I think mm-hmm. anybody on either side of the argument can agree on that. Amen. So like let's put all of our love into those moms yes. right now. Like there are so many beautiful organizations out there that mm-hmm. are loving women. Um, one of them is called Embrace Grace. I don't yes. know if we have any in Austin. I think we do, but they're, they're in Dallas. There's some. They're yes. all over now, they're but they started yes. in Dallas. But there are organizations where churches do baby showers for women yes. who are in their beautiful. own church who are pregnant. Just wow. beautiful. Because you know what? There are women in our churches who are in crisis pregnancies. This is Amen. not just something that happens at the clinic. Like yeah. There are women everywhere that we can reach out to. So I know Heather um, from Coalition for Life has created a website called Pregnant Central Texas What's it called? Tell me what it's called. Central <laughs> Texas Pregnancy Resource. Central Texas Pregnancy Resource.com. And it is filled with resources. It has everything oh, wow. you could possibly think of, like pro life OBGYNs and places for women who are in crisis pregnancy to go for all sorts of things. Like anything you could think of mm-hmm. is on this site. And she keeps it updated all the time. And we're going to put a bunch more resources too. But I would just find a place near you, go volunteer. Give money. Do something mm-hmm. to love people because we're going to need it now more than ever. Because how yeah. many babies are going to be saved per day in Texas, Katrina, from this law? We're the, I mean, there's all sorts of estimates, but we're saying, I'm going to I'm, I'm going to say uh, around 200, 175, 200. A day. Yes, a day. And with these, uh, the 40 Days for Life prayer vigil that starts tomorrow, we're, um, we are at 19,000 saves. So we are looking to save... 20,000 or more during mm-hmm. the 40 days for life prayer, prayer vigil that's starting tomorrow. We're praying, mm-hmm. we're praying that that's the case. So, yeah. so um, think about that 200 women per day are now going to be carrying babies that yeah. need love and support. Exactly. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. Yes. And I, I will be the first to say, to be very honest and um, vulnerable <laughs> and tell you that I was not always pro life. Um, I wasn't raised in a you know, devout home, and I wasn't raised Catholic, and I kind of thought that was a Catholic thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they like babies, the rest of us, who cares? No, that's not really, but I just didn't know, and um, and I even used to argue with Chad back in the day about it, and and I had a big conversion, and, and I remember even one time going to talk to some people at the diocese, and they said, well, explain to me what it means to be pro-life, and I told them, well, I don't really know, because I wasn't raised Catholic. <laughs> I really <laughs> said that to them, and they were like, yeah, that's not a thing. <laughs> so I... 
I used to think, oh, well, those babies, you know, it wouldn't be worth it for them to live. Mm-hmm. And that's such a heartbreaking way to think. Mm-hmm. And I know that there's so many others that think that right now, but we have the opportunity to flip that script and say, you know what, we're going to love them. And mm-hmm. we want them here. They're needed. They're created by God. This is their calling to be on this earth right now. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Amen. Yes. Amen, and, girl. And, <laughs> yeah, I love it. And it's, it's all about loving, mm-hmm. and it's all about serving, and it's all about being the hands and feet. Mm-hmm. How you doing, Kendra? And, uh, yes. You like, Good. You had this a was... moment, girl. <laughs> I know. That's being done. <laughs> yes. I was about to say, what's God doing in your heart? But I think we know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Would you like to tell us what else God is wow. doing in your heart? You're going to join you us know, this side watch Yeah. Amen. Yeah. I... Yeah, it was like scales were lifted from my eyes. You could see it. In a weird way. Well, because I know really for cool years way. we would say, we were going to the sidewalk to pray, and you'd say, well, I have children, I'm going to pray at home. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. But now you're thinking maybe there was more to that, huh? Yeah, I think there was more to that. I was, yeah, submitting to the fear. Maybe haven't, you know, like I said on the last podcast, God has been walking me through wounds very quickly. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think this is something that I need to pray into big time and ask, the Lord into it. Um, I mean, our miscarriage, we've, we have five sweet babies in heaven. Um, but losing Michael was the first and he was the furthest along of all of them. And, um, we felt God's hand in all of the suffering and it was a very beautiful time as hard as it was. Um, but still very raw, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, just, yeah. One, th- one thing I must, time, you know, it's yeah, it healing, does. it's a process, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um and I just can't imagine where the mothers are coming from and and how they're dealing with the suffering of having an abortion and um my heart just breaks for them because I know they were lied to. Yeah. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. and it's an injustice was done yeah. to them. Um, and so like you were, what you were saying, Megan, you're just so good about just standing in the gap and just calling people to love and to be there, um, support and just know that, um, it's not over for you. Yeah. This isn't the end. It's, it's the beginning, you know, seeking healing and walking through that and asking the Lord into that is the beginning of the clouds parting and the sun shining through. Yeah, and, and there's always room for grace, and there's mm-hmm. always room for redemption, mm-hmm. and there's always room to to start over and follow Him mm-hmm. and change ways. And we have this this uh, this amazing opportunity, really, mm-hmm. to do that in life, which is such a gift. And if we yeah. just accept His love and undying yeah. grace and forgiveness for all, we're all sinners, right? Yeah. And we're all called to. Um, to receive his grace and give it abundantly. So I'll never forget. There was one time um, we were on the sidewalk and um, you were talking about them being lied to. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I guess so many women are just stuck in a situation where they feel like they have no hope and they, and there's a lot of coercion that happens. And so our hearts break for the women. Um, But there was a woman who was at the clinic and she spoke no English and no one in the clinic ever spoke English to her. I mean, spoke Spanish to her. They only spoke English, mm. which that in and of itself is just stripping of dignity. Mm-hmm. And they showed her an ultrasound of her baby who was 17 weeks. Mm. And they only showed her a picture of the top of the baby's head. Mm. So it looked like a blob. 
We were there together. Yeah, we were yeah, there. I remember we got Angel on the phone. Well, the, actually, this is a different one, but yes. that one was a beautiful day, yes. too. But this baby, they basically told her, her, your baby is just a blob. And we know that babies at 17 weeks have fingernails. Yes. And they have, I mean, they're perfectly mm-hmm. formed. They feel pain. And, and they feel pain. And luckily, there was a sidewalk counselor on the sidewalk who spoke Spanish. Wow. And they brought her to the JP2 Life yes. Center, which is a pro-life um, doctor's office in Austin who takes women for free. Mm-hmm. And they showed her an actual ultrasound of her baby. And yeah. they, they gave her resources. And they spoke mm-hmm. to her in Spanish. And they gave her life. Like, right. They poured they, into her. They you poured know? into her. Like this poor woman. And had someone not been standing there at that time, who would have spoken to her? Like, what would have happened to her life? And I think you a know? lot of these women wow. don't realize that there's so many more options. They're not even aware of all the options. Right. Yeah. So part of it is just bringing them, giving them the options and telling mm-hmm. them, you know, this is not your only option. Yeah. There's yeah. so many beautiful options. You don't have to do this. Yeah. We've actually had, uh, Heather and I were praying together one Friday um, last summer, and uh, the father, the baby's father, so he dropped his girlfriend off to get an abortion. Mm-hmm. And he drove up towards us, and Heather was able to get resources in his hand. Mm. And he, he got teary-eyed, and he mm. confessed that he, he didn't want it to happen. He didn't want her to do this. Oh. And it was this whole moment where she was able to talk to him and reach him, and she said, you know, you can call you can get her out. You don't have to do this. And so he went and got her. Did they allow him to? He went to? and got her. Oh. Yes, they got her out, and she he brought her out to us. And we were just praying over her and talking to her and just, giving her other options and letting her share her heart with us. And uh, it was just th- this whole wow. the heavenly moment. I mean, mm-hmm. I thought Jesus was right there with us. And mm-hmm. um, she ended up choosing life that day. Mm-hmm. She ended up going back in because they hold, they keep your cell phone. Like they keep oh your money in your cell phone. She went back in and got her money for it because she had paid cash for the mm-hmm. abortion. And she they came out at like, it seems like forever later we were praying hard you yeah know? Mm-hmm. and they came out and it was like it was the most beautiful thing and she was holding the money and she was crying and she's like and we were just both crying and and it was just beautiful and and you don't always get to see the ends of these no. these right. these occur these meetings right a lot of times we give them we make appointments for them for pregnancy resource centers and stuff and mm-hmm. we follow up we may never hear back yeah right but god knows that we don't we don't need to know all that right mm-hmm. but um but just being there and being mm-hmm. being somebody else that she could talk to, offering different path and different options. Yeah, yeah, it was really it was really special. Wow. That's beautiful. So, okay. and, and by the way, let me clarify: it's pregnancycentraltexas.com. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I think I got tongue tied before. Okay, okay, so that's your resource. It'll be in the show notes. Yes. Okay. So, good. Katrina, what's God doing in your heart right now? So God is, uh, He's just He's filling it with uh, tons of love and peace and and uh with beauty and friendship and and he's filling it up so that i can give it out and Mm. and spread it around (laughs) for the next 40 days so i feel like he's pouring into me and i i I feel like he's asking me to become closer to him and to be armed with all of his love and Mm -hmm. and and wisdom so that i can share it so it's definitely a daily um, process because there are spiritual attacks that come during these seasons in our Mm -hmm. lives but I know that with him, um, you know, all things are possible and we're going to get through this and it's going to be beautiful and there's going to be a lot of babies saved and yeah. a lot of hearts changed. And so for that, I'm eternally yeah. grateful That's to be one little tiny small part of. Yeah. Megan, awesome. what about you? So earlier I was like, I don't know what God's doing in my heart. <laughs> and then he just like showed up. <laughs> let, me, let, let me show you, Megan, <laughs> what's <laughs> happening today. Yeah. So remember last week on the podcast, I talked about Jill who mm-hmm. prayed for me 
with um, when I was in the prayer teams, right? Mm-hmm. Turns out Jill's friends with James. Oh, really? <laughs> I just didn't say Hello. her last name. So James didn't know <laughs> what I was talking about. I know, isn't that funny? So she texted me yesterday, because I told her, hey, I talked about you on the podcast. You just listen to it. Uh-huh. So she texted me yesterday and said, do you want to go to breakfast tomorrow? And we had planned to have this recording at 10 a.m., but then when we moved it back, I was like, oh, I can go to breakfast today. Sure. So I went to breakfast with her, and she's just a woman filled with the Spirit. Wow. And I've been looking for a spiritual director, and she is a spiritual director. <gasps> And Yay. she just, like, I can't exactly put it into words, but it's almost like we have kind of the same charism, but she's mm-hmm. further advanced in it than I am. Like, she understands the spirit more. She's walking mm-hmm. in it more deeply than I am. And yes. so she's just, like, this role model for me. Mm-hmm. And um, was so just supportive of, like, everything that we're doing and understands my heart in a way that, you know, you just don't always meet yeah. people like that. And I when, get you. And when I God, get you. Well, and it's like God puts you with people, right? Right. Um, and I just love those moments where God just puts two people together and it's like, you're meant to, yes. to do life together. He's the ultimate matchmaker. Yeah. Well, and it's like whether or not we say yes to it, right? Right. Because we could just ignore it and keep moving on. Yeah. But whenever, and she didn't, she kept pursuing me, <laughs> which was so beautiful. Well, she was like, yeah. So anyways, I just feel very like, oh, good. like God is I'm like, so glad that worked out. like creating this environment for me at this new parish and yeah. just... Yeah, really fun. So. He's fertilizing you, Good Megan. Yeah. <laughs> and she's going to come pray with us. Yeah, so It's going to be beautiful. So. That's awesome. Anyways, That's all right, guys. Yes. So this um, is wonderful. Time out. Hold on. I want to yeah. make one plug um, for Mama Mary. And um, abortion is such a big battle mm-hmm. that we can look at it and say, yes. me will me cannot yeah. impact yeah. it. I cannot make a difference. Um, but with all of these big battles facing our world right now, you know, the enemy is not being quiet and sneaky anymore. No. Um, and I think because he's afraid, you know. Jesus is... He's is, rearing his ugly head right in the day, right, right in front of all of us. Right in the daylight, absolutely. Yes. Um, and Mother Mary um, gave us the tools. Mm-hmm. Um, and consecrating our hearts to her immaculate heart and, you know, talking about it is very, very powerful. Um, so... I'm just going to plug into this. Maybe we can talk about this in the next one. But for Saturday devotion mm. and um, putting our placing our hearts in hers so that um, we can be tools and just knowing that her holy heel will crush the enemy. Amen. Yeah. Big well, and there's also a really beautiful rosary on the USCCB website yes. that's a pro-life rosary. And yes. so Katrina and I would pray that together. It's gorgeous. And between every line of the Hail Mary... I think I said that funny. There's a line between every Hail Mary, and it's like, pray for um, elderly people in a nursing home that have been mm, forgotten. Pray for mothers who are struggling with this decision. Pray for grandmothers who've lost their their, their babies. Like, mm. And there's just this beautiful way to keep your heart in tune. So if you can't exactly. make it to a sidewalk, pray yeah. a pro-life yeah. rosary. And she's, and she's in your visions earlier with Jesus. Mary's always there with me. Right. So I've yeah. seen her many times when I've been at Duval. I've seen, I've physically, with my eyes closed praying, seen her holding babies inside Aww. that abortion clinic. Yeah. So I feel you, it's so true. She's she's there with us. She's fighting yeah. this battle with yeah. us beautifully with yeah. grace. So, yeah. um, yes, amen. Awesome. All right, guys. Love you both. This is wonderful. Love you. Thanks yeah. for inviting me to join you. For being Thanks part for of this. Thanks, Katrina. All right, so fun. Fun. Bye, guys. Bye, everybody. Come pray with us. <laughs>